Football Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to the Italian Football Podcast. I'm Carlo Garganese here as always with Nima Tavali. So now officially the 2022-23 club season is over. Unfortunately, it didn't have the ending that we hoped for, uh, especially for, for Inter, Inter fans who um, saw their team lose 1-0 to Manchester City in the Champions League final in Istanbul. Really unlucky defeat for Inter, who, who deserves so, so much more from that final. We'll be reviewing the match, all the fallout, how and why did Inter fall so agonisingly short in this, in this final? Where did Inter go from here? What about Romelu Lukaku, who has become fairly or unfairly the scapegoat of the defeat after missing that open goal to equalise. What about Italian football as a whole? We've been in three finals. People have talked about Italian football being back, but three defeats. Um, so, yeah, very, very difficult ends the season for, for Serie A. Uh, elsewhere, we will remember the life of former AC Milan president Silvio Berlusconi, who has died aged 86, the most successful football president in history in Italy, the most successful football president of all time in the world at the time of him leaving Milan. Um, so we will talk about what he did at Milan um, on this on this pod today. Um, Spezia have been relegated after losing the playout to Verona in a, in a thrilling game on, on Sunday evening. We'll discuss that. Uh, and also, finally, Italy's under-20s lose in the World Cup final to Uruguay. Yet another final defeat for an Italian team. We are cursed in finals at the moment. Um, so lots to talk about. Um, for all our first-time listeners, this is our free weekly episode, which we do every Monday, reviewing the weekend Serie A action and all the biggest talking points in Italian football. If you want to support the Italian Football Podcast and receive all of our content that we do throughout the week, including our Q&A weekly episode every Tuesday, where we answer all the questions sent in from our patrons, plus the weekly Thursday midweek review show, plus interviews, post-match reaction, and much, much more, then go to patreon.com slash TIFP and become a subscriber for just $2.99 a month, plus VAT. And for all of you listening on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, We'd really appreciate it. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a follow and a subscribe to us um, as this it really helps us grow. Um, I should just add before we start that um, as the, the, the club season is over, um, we will still be continuing as normal on the Italian Football Podcast. We will still have this free weekly episode every Monday uh, and we will have the Q&A every Tuesday. On Thursday, we will switch things up a little bit. What we will do is our Thursday show will become a transfer show um, throughout the summer, like we always do during the during the during the summer. And uh, we will be uh, bringing on guests, um, transfer journalists mainly, um, to to discuss the transfer market, to give us um, insight of what is happening, who's moving, who's who's joining, who's leaving the, the big clubs. Um, and uh, also we will be doing uh, analysis, of course, on the on the transfers um, as they happen, uh, including special special uh, uh, reaction podcasts when a, when a big transfer happens uh, or when an interesting transfer story happens. We will be doing that. So things will continue as normal. And as usually happens, actually, there's actually more interest in the summer when there's no football than there is during the during the during the actual season. The football cap joy never sleeps. So. We will be doing plenty, plenty still during the summer. And also, don't forget, there's still a, a lot of international football going on. Italy in the Nations League coming up this week. Uh, also, the under-21 Euros is about to start. Um, there's the Women's World Cup 
Um, there's there's other youth tournaments. So there, there is a lot of football still going on that we will be talking about. Okay, then let's get into the show and let's start talking about Inter in the Champions League final. Okay, Nima. So Inter lose 1-0 in Istanbul to Manchester City. Uh, a goal from Rodri midway through the, the, the second half. Um, my overwhelming emotion from this game, and I'm not an Inter fan, is that... Um, to be very, if you're an Inter fan, to be very, very proud of your team's performance, mm. but also, oh gosh, Inter could have won this final. I mean, they were, mm. they were unlucky. They were, but I think the the overwhelming feeling of all these four finals that Italian teams have lost in the last three weeks is the same. Very well organized, um, unlucky to come short at the very end. But there is a qualitative difference overall in each one of these finals that paid that that made itself made its presence felt, and I think that's why Italy didn't win any of these um, games um, and finals. But it shows that Italian football is still very competitive. That Italian football is amongst the best in the world. But when it comes to club level, especially, money matters. Finances matter. And if you look at how you need depth to compete on several fronts, and the Italian teams don't have that depth. They just don't have the money to have that depth. And that's why they fall short, generally speaking, without going into the details. Because I think a lot of it is, you look at Roma, look at Fiorentina, very, very close all very close, probably created more chances than each one of their final opponents, um, finalist opponents. But overall, that that quality, football is about scoring goals, and the quality up front just isn't there for the Italian teams. And that costs money, money they don't have. And the others do. And that's that's where we are where we are. But I think overall, this was, this was very, very tight, um, I'm incredibly pl- proud of Inter as an Interista. I'm not speaking as a journalist here, but speaking as an Interista. This is um, the, what, what this Inter did from March and onwards when we got into the business end and the way that they, the, the way that they delivered and kept keep winning. I mean, what is it? 11 wins out of 13 in, in, in the last 13 games across all competitions and doing so rotating and showing a team spirit and unity. That is the most important thing because Inter fans are now fully united behind this team. These players, they they really respect and love this team now in a way because Inter has always been a very fragmented fan base. A lot of disagreements. We're not like a fan base like Juventini who are soldatini, as Casano would say it. You know, you're all they. You know, they. You're united. You all. It's Juve and all that. And Milan the same way. Is, is, is not as fragmented as Inter fans are. Inter fans are incredibly fragmented. But when they unite, when they decide that this or we rally behind something, that's, that, that doesn't happen very often. It's happened maybe three, four times. Uh, twice, really, in my lifetime. Once, of course, famously under Jose Mourinho, and this time around as well. And the way that Inter played, the way that they suffered, as we were, we're going to talk about the tactics especially, I was I kept banging on about it's important to know how to suffer, and Inter did. They worked so hard, but the last quality, that final 
b- b- killer instinct that you need in the final third to win these big to win these trophies isn't there just wasn't there yeah no i i agree with i agree with with all that about inter i, I thought the game plan was was spot on the the selective pressing was, mm. was perfect. Execute, execute. Oh, actually, so you mean that there is such a thing as selective pressing? Because I was told, according to some people, uh, that Inter just you know went out and had fun <laughs> because there's no such thing as selective pressing. Some some Irish Spanish name sounding moron on the Independent said uh, said said something really really stupid about how Inter was just basically vibes. And uh, didn't understand, and and that was in his piece. He said some part at some points one of the strikers presses and the other doesn't. Selective pressing. <laughs> Imagine that. But yes, yeah. Inter have selective pressing, and they were tactically perfect because Simone Inzaghi showed he passed his exam with flying colours. There was nothing tactically he could have done more. No, um, I mean I'm I'm surprised. I mean they surprised City by pressing as high up as they did. It wasn't mm. a high press, but it was a midfield, middle press. Uh, and I, I've never seen, ever seen City's midfield struggle so much to get through that middle third of the field. I mean, a lot of this game was played in the middle third. Yes, of yep. course, City had more of the possession, but actually not that much posi- nope. possession, nope. not by City's uh, levels. It was, I think it was 59% at the end of the game, uh, something like that, which yep. is, but for City is not a lot, but they struggled. They couldn't get through that middle, nope. that middle third. And, nope. um, I mean, you said that Inter suffered. I don't think they really did suffer that much. Not not sustained. There was very little when sustained I mean suffer, pressure. When I mean suffer, suffer, I mean the work without the ball. The, yeah. the, to do that selective pressing that Inter did down the flanks with Barella, Cialanoglu, Bastoni, Darmian, that it costs so much energy to do that. It, it's mm. painful to do that and be, to be able to sustainably do that for 90 yeah. minutes. Which I mean, City had no idea. Yeah, for sure. I mean, C- City had no ideas. They couldn't, they couldn't, I mean, their passing was off City. Um, totally. Yeah, I've never seen, passing. I've never seen players like Rodri and, uh, uh, and Gundogan pass as badly. And like, mm. you know, even at sometimes they were kicking the ball away. City yeah. never do that. They never mm. kick the ball away and get rushed into pop just to putting it in down the down the bylines into space. They they always find a man, you know. Yeah, and, it was and a tactical so masterclass. It was ta- it was a tactical masterclass. He doesn't mm. you know don't always have to win for it to be a tactical masterclass. No, no, no. It was it was a tactical masterclass. And the, look, you know, the you look only at, I think people need to separate a few things. Tactical masterclass is not the same thing as formation or or personnel choice. I think personnel choice wise, I think it was a mistake to not start Lukaku. I think. Yeah. It showed because I think the presence of Lukaku when he comes on, he's not an impact sub and he's never going to be. Um, I think Dzeko just ran himself into the ground in the 55th minute and I think that that was expected. I would rather have started Lukaku. Otherwise, to see, just to, just to have that out, to see how how mm. they would have reacted. Yeah. Um, well, we, I mean, I guess we will never, we'll never hundred percent know. I mean, we'll come on to Lukaku. We've got a segment on that, mm. uh, and I'll give my feelings on part also what you've just said there. But I mean, just in terms of, I just think team as a whole, in terms of the tactics. I mean, you know, they limited City to to so few chances. I mean, mm. if you're looking at clear, clear chances, I mean, for me, the only real clear, clear big chance that that, that City had was Foden at one yeah, nil when he ran through and, yeah. and and he should have scored and and it was a good save. But it wasn't a no, it wasn't, it wasn't a, a good, good finish. finish. It wasn't in the wasn't he didn't put finish. it in the corner. He didn't hit it hard enough. No. Apart from that, there were no clear chances. I mean, the first half there was Silva when he 
when DiMarco backed off too much and he curled it and he went just wide. But that was, you know, I wouldn't say that was a, that wasn't a clear chance. It was just a really good bit of play, not the best defending from DiMarco, and he and he did a bit of magic and he curled it. And then Haaland's chance when when uh, he he was at a very tight angle and 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 Nonana stuck his hand out. I mean that that's a half chance. I think yeah. that's not a, that's yeah. not a clear chance. It's a half to a three quarter chance. And um, you know, apart from that, I mean, you know, the goal was was not a clear chance. There were so many bodies in the way with the goal they with the goal they scored, and it came from a, a very fortuitous. I mean, Bastoni makes the original error, of course, to let Bernardo mm. Silva get in behind. That's the error that Inter make. But in terms of the actual created chance. He puts it across the box and deflects right into the part. I mean, it's, fortunate, it's lucky how it comes to Rodri's feet. And then he ha- you have three bodies in the way plus the goalkeeper. I mean, the, the, I'm not sure what the XG would have been on that, but it would have been low because you've got all those bodies in the way. You, you expect a body to block that, but he just found that tiny little gap in the corner. Chalanoglu happened to move out of the way of the ball uh, and, you know, and it went in. And, uh, but, you know, if, you, if you're limiting City, to that few chances and that few, I mean, if you look at where City had the ball in this game, a lot of the time it was in areas where they couldn't hurt Inter. You know, they kept, Inter kept City away from mm. the dangerous areas. Mm. Um, and no, they did. They made City look ordinary. They looked an yeah, ordinary team. They looked an ordinary really team. Did. And I know some people said, I've seen it, I've seen it in the, in the English media and this is, this is what always happens whenever England or an English team play bad. Is instead of giving credit to the opposition, they generally say, "Well, we play badly." That's yeah, why but that's the usual. That's, that's the, the usual, usual nonsense. That's yeah. the usual nonsense that is part of the drivel that we hear about how superior. And this is what I meant when I was on Talk Sport with that guy who, who <laughs> which was brilliant, by the way, who, who was so triggered. I mean, this is the, this is the kind of stuff I'm talking about. This notion that. When things, if 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 English teams or the English national team doesn't win, it's because England were bad, not because the others were good, and that's the the headline that of all of this behavior, all the prem face here that we talk about is it's coming home, not the song itself. It's a it's a complete red herring to talk about the song itself because the song itself is actually a brilliant song, which the lyrics are about suffering and longing which every football fan in the world can identify with but the slogan it's coming home is has become like the the the, the brand name of all this stupid behavior that we've been seeing non-stop for 20 30 years which is incredibly disrespectful to everyone and anyone uh, that isn't you know that, that that isn't english essentially it's so chauvinistic this notion that when things are when when things are on the up and up and when we deliver we win otherwise something is wrong or the referee do you know what i mean like this kind of mm. this 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 nonsense you know how many italy yeah. and brazil players get into the england team how many inter milan yeah. juve players get into the i don't know no, absolutely. i mean we, i mean i'm i'm sure but, i'm sure city were a little bit nervous i mean i think they were a bit nervous you could see i'm sure that was part of it i mean we saw edison i never see edison give the ball away as many times as, as he did in the in the first yeah. half, um, that obviously you, you can put that down to nerves. Uh, you know the, the the big occasion, of course, of course that plays a role. But City, you know, they were they it, it was down to Inter more than anything else for making City look ordinary because 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 Inzaghi got his his tactics spot well, because on. this is how good Simone Inzaghi is. Um, he is when 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 he has a United team behind him as he has now. Um, you see, this is the thing though with, with Simone Inzaghi, which I, you know, there's, there are different styles of management. Simone Inzaghi doesn't do management by fear like Antonio Conte. 
uh, or Max Allegri. He's much more modern in his approach, this kind of management by consent, meaning if you win the hearts and minds of people by appealing to their intellect, by appealing to their intellect, once you win them over, they will go to, they will die for you. And you saw that with, to some extent, that's what Mourinho did, although Mourinho built this kind of siege mentality, us against the world. But that's, you know, this is what you see with this Inter. I mean, when Bastoni says that, yes, tactically speaking, I'm a, I'm, I'm a, Guardiola player, but I'm an Inzaghiano, you know, I will, you know, I fight for my coach. Um, this, this is what Inzaghi's built. He's playing a football that is, he's very versatile. It is a football that is solid defensively, but Inter can also control games and dictate mi- midfield and can control the midfield, superior passing, patient buildup. Inter are very, very patient under this under this coach and this style of play. And I think they're on to something. This is how they need to play. No more tinkering about. And they need to have a mercato accordingly as well. Yeah. Because I yeah, think we'll, we'll come to that. Something. Yeah, we'll come to that, Nimmo, about where Inter go next. Mm. Um, but just sticking on the theme of, of, you know, how Inter played and everything. And, and just, again, just want to underline just how proud I think Inter, mm. the players, oh, the fans, the team Inter. should be. Because... Everybody, as we ever said, and I would invite everybody to go onto Nimmer's Twitter and see what he posted out on, was it Friday, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, before the final. In fact, I tweeted it out, gone to my Twitter, um, I, and, and you'll find the link anyway, and, and it's hilarious because everybody was expecting City to hammer in. So let's not say, mm. pretend what this Martin Samuel. Was, was saying about, you know, I haven't heard anybody say that. They, well, like they I were, told him, I'm not responsible for what you hear. I'm responsible for what <laughs> I say. I, I mean, no, but it's it's like it's saying this notion that as if that is some kind of evidence. It's like, well, you live in your bubble. I have open eyes. I see, everyone sees, like literally the, everyone with, you know, even even the, even a sense, semi-sentient potato knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's it's embarrassing that he would even take that 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 line of, yeah. of saying, well, I've never seen that. And he's, he's always, negative it's like no it's not and and there's nuances to it and also it's got nothing to do with the no, but he also really. said that no, nobody nobody in the english media was was, <laughs> saying, was was saying that it, they everybody they were all saying it would be a close game you haven't seen anybody say that it would be a a big win well i'm sorry you okay know, then I, let's let's we, let's read up then let's let's read up on on just well, I've a got few a li- i've got a list of them we have i know craig you do hope. and that's the one i We've was referring craig, to craig hope of the daily mail who said that uh inter had no chance of, yeah he, he called he called them BA, bang average, you called Inter bang average. Um, and called Lautaro bang average. Inter Milan Lautaro. had no chance against Real Madrid or Man City in Istanbul. Their derby, derby mm. win showed just how poor Serie A is. Uh, Inter have no chance. Their semi was a masterclass. Yeah. The Milan derby was a plastercast. They were better at kicking each other than the ball. Enjoy tonight's game. It is the final. Paul Merson, yeah. Sky. There's no way yeah, in a the million years... Was the final, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> the 4-0 uh, defeat was the, was the final Paul Merson yeah. there's no way in a million years Inter can beat Man City mm. Craig Burley who absolutely detests Italian football like you can just mm. see it in his in his just how much he hates Italian football uh, the final is going to be very one-sided Inter haven't beaten the strongest opposition to get to the final um, Craig Burley again Serie A is a league of has-beens yeah I mean, Jamie O'Hara, Talk Sport, Inter have absolutely no chance against this Man City team. Harry Redknapp, Man City will win, no doubt. My favourite, though, i got to say, is Football 365, with their ridiculous uh, article about 
how this is the biggest mismatch in Champions League history. Uh, yeah. Jason Cundy, Inter would get torn apart if City played like they did against Real. Paul Hayward, Daily Mail, Inter simply can't win 1-0. James Benger, CBS, Man City will win 3-0. I don't give Inter even a chance. What is less than a chance? A shot. And that's just the that's just the tip of the iceberg of the no, dribble. That, I, put, I, I noted these ones down. That was just like a day just after, the tip of the, the iceberg. after the semi-final. I, I stopped counting after that because it yeah, just, exactly. Just, I didn't have enough time. It's too many. No, no there's too <laughs> just, many. No, exactly. It's a full time. Yeah. So job. we went from this. We went from this to to you know obviously into lost one nil. But but I mean it was so close. And you know when you look at the different difference in finances, yes, it should have been a five nil win for for Man City in finances. You know when you've got Man City that have spent two over two billion in the last you know versus what in the last last five years. Yeah. Um, into our fifty fifth in Europe. For net spend, fifty fifth mm. in Europe. Just that, just just let that sink in. Jack Grealish cost more than the entire Inter team, mm. the entire Inter team that, that started um, in on uh, in the final mm. on um, on Saturday. Grealish cost, I think, quite by quite a distance more. Mm. So what Marotta's done, you know, is, Giuseppe Marotta, we have, to give pre- pre- we have to give credit to him as well. But what he's done with the team, you know, a lot of free transfers, a lot of loans, uh, a lot of wheeling and dealing, having to sacrifice, lose sell players, star players like Lukaku originally two years ago, like Hakimi, Hakimi originally two years ago. Um, you know, Skriniar's going to go this summer. You know, so what they've done is amazing. But so that, that's why I think Inter fans should be very, very proud because, the, you know, this wasn't a... Uh, this wasn't a fair contest in terms of the the, the, the resources uh, on offer, Not uh, and close. also, and also, let's be honest, in terms of you know playing by the rules as well. We all know it's not you know we're not BT Sport. We're not going to do a, a three year program and ignore the big fat elephant that's in the room. <laughs> you know, City mm. are charged with 115 offences. There's an asterisk that goes next to every single title that City have won um, during that period, and uh, including this Champions League final. You know, I'm not saying Inter are squeaky clean. You know, they've had their, their shoes as well. But, you know, we're talking about levels here and we're talking about what City have done. So Inter should be very, very proud because to overcome this this difference is, I mean, magnificent. And to deserve to win the final, that's what makes it really frustrating, uh, Nima, because it was there. I think I felt it was there for the taking and they just didn't take their chances. Hmm. No, they didn't. And that's that's where you... That's where the quality, I think, shows. Um, I think you need to have more, you know, you need to have more quality uh, in the final third and quality like that in the final third cost money. And I think Lautaro was too isolated. Uh, I think, I still think Inter would have had more chances and maybe scored if they, if Lukaku had started, because I think, again, Lukaku's not an impact sub. Um, I don't think he, he's the kind of guy who needs minutes to get going and, and to continuously go go against his defender. And Jekyll and offered absolutely nothing in this regard. Mm. Um, and this this was a mistake by Inzaghi. But look, I understand the argument for against. Um, and it's, but the time, by, by the time that Lukaku came on, Inter had put themselves in a, in a position to, to win the game. So yeah. you could say, yeah, maybe they would have been winning by that point. But yeah, it's well, not that's like exactly it, because I don't want to losing. chase they the game. But that's yeah. what I'm saying. You shouldn't be chasing the game. Like, Lukaku, when, you, when you're chasing a game, you don't bring Lukaku on. Like, Lukaku's not that kind of but a they weren't chasing Lukaku. the game, though, were they? were nil-nil. Well, that's the point. Yes, I know. But what I'm saying is that by that time, they should have been 1-0 up. This, this, that was, for me, the game plan. I think the game plan 
from that aspect, I disagree with Simona on. I, I mm. wanted to see Lukaku start. I mean, I can but, see that. Look, I, I know there's always going to be a debate. It's always going to be what ifs, isn't there, in football? That's yeah. just the name of the game. But I mean, I think that Inter, at the time that Lukaku came on, and I think it was before that, I think it was like the 55th minute because he had yeah, cramps. He did. Uh, 55th, yeah. By the time of the 55th minute, I mean, I think Inter, right at that time, are feeling absolutely delighted with the way that the game was we going. And they're, and they're thinking, right. We're, we've got 35 minutes left of this game. We're nil-nil. And now we've got Lukaku come, coming on to make the, the difference in the in the final third. And, you know, we'll come on to look at Lukaku in a bit, but just talking as a whole, you know, Inter had the chances to win this game. Uh, I mean, Lautaro, when he should have cut back, uh, Di Marco hitting the bar, Lukaku obviously missing an open goal, we'll come on to him and blocking the header from Di Marco as well. But also there was a lot of occasions, and this is definitely a quality issue, where the final ball let yeah. Inter down. Uh, yeah. Gosen's crossing was terrible after coming on. Denzel Dumfries uh, when 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 Barella, I mean his his passing and awareness and technical. And Bellanova as well, his crossing. Yeah, was I mean he's a young well. kid. Like this is what I mean. Like you know these things show. Um, yeah. And and you know Romelu Lukaku, like I said, he still a he can still be a top top level striker, but he'll never be world class again, like he was an Antonio Conte. But the XG in this game, yeah, 0.91 to Manchester City. 2.007 for, for Inter. Yeah. Now, just, I mean, that is that yeah. is unbelievable. I mean, when how often do you see Man City have an XG of less than one for starters? And how often do you see a team also in that situation have create more and have more higher quality chances against them? You know, it's that's what XG is. It's just a tool to, which I think the name is a bit, you know, misleading. But it but shows you the chance creation. It, it shows, shows you the, the chance creation. And the big chance cumulative, it. Yeah, it shows you the accumulative chance creation um, and the quality of the chances. And Inter did create good chances. Maybe not the, like, you know, at the end it was a little bit frantic. But yeah, it's it's been the story of, 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 of a little bit of Inter season, hasn't it? Like create chances but not have that finishing killer instinct. Up until like March, then they suddenly yeah. started putting their chances away yeah. and then this came, and then it crept back in on the yeah. biggest, the but biggest that, time. That's because, you know, over, over the course of a season, these things show, you know, the quality makes itself shown. And, and I think that's what Inter lack the most. Inter need a killer in the box. Mm. Um, and I think it's, for me, Edin Dzeko, thank you so much for these fantastic two years. You are a fantastic player in terms of football IQ, the quality, but you're 37 years old and it's time for you to leave. Joaquin yeah. Correa, you should never have been signed. Arrivederci. Hmm. To be honest with you, all the all the attackers, it was the inter-attackers that let Inter down in this game. No one else. You know, I know some people have been saying, oh, Chalinoglu didn't play very well. Barella was a little bit disappointing. You know, Bastoni, okay, should have done better on the goal. I mean, yeah. you know, that's all valid. But I think at the end of the day, it was Inter's attackers that cost yeah. in this game. Dzeko, uh, Lautaro, Lukaku, those three. But in particular, Lautaro and well, Lautaro had the chance. But Lautaro, you know, we, we, we've had this debate so many times, you know, just what level is Lautaro at? And I think this, again, showed that Lautaro... He isn't elite level. He's, he's no, a level below that. It and depends this, this on what you expect him to be. He's not a striker. I've always maintained that he's a nine and a half. He's a seconda punta. And as a seconda punta, he's, he has no peers in the world. He is not a striker because a striker, a killer, you consistently, you score. Filippo Inzaghi was not perhaps the greatest player to play the game. But the brother didn't know how to put the ball into the back of the net. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? But he's playing he's in not... the front. But he's playing in the front too. He's playing in his position mm. in this game, and you know he didn't do. He didn't. He didn't no. perform. 
He didn't yeah. perform, not not scoring and not not yeah. just just his overall play. I think I, I saw somewhere that he won two of his ten duels in this game, mm. uh, yeah. and you know his his you know he did he wasn't creating. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, the chance that he had where he, I mean, what is that decision making? Why is he trying to shoot from that narrow angle when when yeah, they, I they thought that's awful. a mistake? I mean, that I thought it was really a terrible st- run by Lukaku. The, the pass to Lukaku wasn't on because Lukaku. He just doesn't have the IQ in the area to yeah, make the yeah. right run. He, he made a terrible run, but there was, I think it was, was it Brozovic on the edge of the yeah, area? I think, I think it was Barella or Brozovic. Yeah. Brozovic, one of the two was free on the edge of the area. I mean, he that was bad. Uh, and his overall game, yeah, he didn't do enough. And then Lukaku, who we'll come on to um, as well, obviously missed the chances. Um, so, I mean, I think it's Inter's attack that, that let them down in this game. Uh, and Lukaku, especially with, with his, I mean, if we're being frank, he's cost Inter two goals in yeah. this game. No, I don't know. I don't think that the first goal where he was hit, the second one where he was, I don't think you can blame him on that because it's like a, a, the ball, it was too close. It wasn't like people trying to make it like Alexis Sanchez in the Champions League a few years ago. I don't, I think that's unfair. Um, but the, that, that first goal, the, the missed open goal thing is, that's not good. No, no, it's un- that, that is virtually, it's virtually unmissable. It's, un- it's almost, it's pretty much unmissable that chance. I mean, there's only one place you can put that. But this is what I mean. This is what I'm saying. He's not that impact sub. You need he needs to have minutes to get going because he's he's got a big body. It takes a lot for him to get going. And when he's up and firing on all cylinders, then he scores that. And this is why I was against him coming on as a sub because he we've seen this throughout his tenure at Inter. He needs to get going. He's like a he's like a machine a big machine that you need to fire up all engines before they can actually fire and that's why he's not a, a impact so i think i think his overall game i think he caused trouble i mean like yeah. stuff like stuff happened when mm. he got the ball you know yeah. his finishing was abysmal but but you know things did happen like he had the when he went out onto the i think it was on the left and he, and he put it dragged it wide he had the one where he i think he he was on the right hand side but then he shot mm. straight up uh, at Edison, mm. obviously, then you know he was in the right place for for well, let's say the wrong place for Demarco's header, but the right place for the for the header. I wonder he if that himself. goal would have been allowed because I the when it, when it when it first came, I was like Demarco's offside, like that was my no feeling. no he was on Demarco was onside. I, I mm. checked that out. Yeah, okay. he was on the header that came over, looped over. He was onside. Okay. He was onside. I don't know about the second phase, but the first yeah. phase, Demarco. Yeah, that's the was first onside. phase I was thinking about. Yeah, it yeah. Felt like... no, the first phase he was on. He was on. I okay. definitely, I checked that straight away. Um, okay. But, 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 yeah. I mean, I had. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. This is this is a, it was a microcosm of Lukaku's career. Yeah. When it matters in the big, let's call them global games, club yeah. and country, um, he bottles it. He bottles yeah. the, the moments, the big moments, yeah. the big chances, and we saw it in the World Cup versus Croatia for Belgium where he missed like three or four like of these this level chances but we've seen it so many times in his past I mean his record in the big matches you can google it it's all there you know his, his record in the big matches and the big teams I mean his record against the big six in the Premier League is is, is terrible for, for, for what is supposed to be a top striker but even in Serie A you know even in his first spell when he was one of the best strikers in the world his record against the big teams it wasn't at the level um that you would expect for a player of, of you know, of Lukaku's level. Um, and, you know, this is the biggest game of all, Champions League final. And, and, and I mean, that you can't miss a chance like that. And that takes no, you, it need, to extra you time. need to score those. You need to that score takes it those. to extra time. And, and I don't know. I mean, you probably, you probably favour Inter um, if it goes to extra time. No. 
Who knows? I don't know. I, I felt, I, I did a space at halftime with people and I said, look, I don't, I still thought, uh, my feeling was the City were going to win this. It's, it's like the, the similar kind of feeling without, you know, any other comparisons between them. But Uruguay against Italy, I felt Uruguay were in control. And that's how I felt about this game with City. I felt they were in control, uh, even though... Well, I think that's, I think, yeah, we'll come on to Italy on the I, I think that's different. I think Italy on the No, no, I'm not, as I said, I mean, I'm, I'm just, got, saying, I'm just talking about the feeling Italy. I had watching this game. Yeah, was the that, feeling, yeah. Yeah, okay. it's, I felt City were more in control. Than, mm. than than Inter and and I mean so I, I I can't you know of course I'm disappointed and of course but more than anything I am proud this was as an Interista because I saw the last three four weeks the, ever since that you know to be at the San Siro at, at the return leg when Inter were the home team against Milan and watch 70,000 sing that chant that is now forever etched in Inter folklore that I've never seen the San Siro do that. Everyone around the stadium sing like that. And to reach the Champions League final when nobody expected it. To to see Interisti from all over the world meet up for the first time in Milan, in different spots all over, you know, in Milan, in Istanbul, for, throughout this season. Um, to see everyone unite behind this team it was and this club and, and feel pride again. Because we've not had much as Inter fans, much to be happy about. Because, yes, you've won minor trophies, but ever since the Scudetto, we weren't allowed to celebrate that because we, you know, the way Conte left and Lukaku was sold and Hakimi was sold and all, all this nonsense that happened. This was, this was a moment for Inter fans to come together and to feel pride again. And it was, it was, and they did do exactly that. They made everyone proud. Um, and now Inter are united uh, in a way that I've not seen them. And you have a coach who wants to stay. You have. You know, the finances look better than they have, despite the New York Times hit piece that we saw on uh, a few days before the before the final, where one of the authors said that they were going to do a similar critical piece about Man City the day after. Instead, they did a piece talking about Ted Lasso, uh, literally about Ted Lasso and Manchester City, which is <laughs> like, the, it's embarrassing. <laughs> but this is a hit piece. This, you know, they're trolling you, Nima. They're just trolling nah, you. it's embarrassing. <laughs> and it is a hit piece. And I love how offended they get when they get called out. Because if you're going to do a news piece, news clue is in the title. New. There was nothing new in that piece. No. It was just old. And it was completely That's how devoid. they are, though. It's, it's, no, but it's, listen, it, it, was, it was also, it was not just that. If it was at least honestly, objectively, factually, contextualized. But it wasn't. They just made these ridiculous comparisons between Inter being state-owned and City being state-owned, mm. as if the Chinese com- Chinese government has put a euro at Inter. If anything, the Suning stopped investing in Inter when the Chinese company invested in Suning to, to bail them out. But they didn't put that because that's not part of the agenda. So why why let why let facts get in the way of a good agenda? And that's the New York Times generally, whether it's politics, finances, whatever it is, it's just par for the course with them. But, you know, it is what it is. And then, of course, you had, you know, that idiot on The Independent who couldn't, you know, got absolutely destroyed by anyone who could read uh, above a third grade level um, yeah. the day after. But it was, you know, it was they don't, they don't follow the, any They don't follow any football outside of the English Premier League. The majority, not they don't all do, of them, no, no, the, the majority, don't do of, the majority of the mainstream, the, do the majority of the mainstream English media don't watch football. You can't, you can't, you can't analyse, even if you're trying to. Um, honestly, analyze uh, you know teams, players from outside uh, you know your own league. If you don't watch them, it's just natural. no. But it's you not. Know. But listen, even the the teams that they do watch in the Premier League, 
They don't do journalism. They don't do anything critical. All they do is, you know, they they ask basically. They do acts. They they do. They are unpaid. Yeah, they have a narrative. They have a, they have yeah, a narrative. They have a narrative. It's about it's about protecting yeah. the EPL. It's about making it look as good as possible because we all feed off of it. It's there's no no critical questions. Nothing. Just look no. at the people who own clubs in in this in in the Premier League. Like for the love of God, at least in other leagues, you know, you get there is some sort of scrutiny. But no, well, no, that, that, it says it all, and that's what the Premier League has has become. But it's now. you know it's fine because. You know, everyone sees it more. You know, more and more people, you know, don't you know buy. They lose more credibility. But the by same the goes day. to UEFA as well. I mean, the champions, the the biggest, the, the, the best team in Europe or the best team in the world, Manchester City, because um, they've won the Champions League. They are the best team in in in, in Europe and the world now. Are um, I mean, well, look, what we said, they they've, they've got 115 financial charges over the course of almost a decade. You know, well, they were the, also the they were also convicted of them by UEFA, but then they appealed to CAS, mm. and lots of the charges were were be, were, were not you yeah. know were not. And we know UEFA are not going to do anything. We've debated it. We've discussed yeah, it. Yeah, no, no. On, on, just on wanted this, to finish that. Just wanted to finish that. That you know, lot many of those charges were under statute of limitations. They couldn't you know they weren't UEFA couldn't do anything. And and this just goes to show that this is how it is. And you know, I'm. I'm if I'm UEFA wants to do something, they could, but they won't. And and the thing is, the Premier League are not going to do anything. This is what football has become now, and this is why we supported the Super League, um, yeah. which is you know, which has obviously taken a big blow this past week because Juventus are pulling out. But yeah, you know, this is why we wanted the Super League mm. because this is what football has become now. Um, the Premier and League, want to the Premier League, and by extension of that, you know, football because the Premier League are so, so dominant financially. You know, it's become the the playground of of, of states and criminals and. You know, there's no scrutiny. Uh, and I've said it before, if Hitler and Stalin were alive today and they wanted to buy a Premier League football club, they would be able to do so. Maybe not Stalin because he's Russian, but, you know, some other, <laughs> some other, di- some other dictators or any, pick yeah. any of the, of, the, of the Hall of Fame dictators from the past, they would be able to buy a, a Premier League football club. Um, no, and, and, and the Premier League would release a statement saying they have legal assurances that the dictator in question doesn't really control the football club. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah that as happened. well. But yeah. uh, which is hilarious. I, mean, I was talking but, to a friend the other day. Like football today has basically become like supporting the di- the dictator with the least kills. Mm. <laughs> like that. Like I'm going to support this dictator because he's yeah. killed you know a few million less than this dictator. <laughs> <laughs> you know that is basically what well, this football is. This at is the why, highest level has become now. Th- this is why I would think why I wanted Donald Trump to buy Inter to piss everybody <laughs> off. It would be so much fun. Um, not because I'm aligned with him politically, but because he's um he's in he's crazy, and he comes in there and he he creates headlines, and it would be absolutely hilarious to have him in the Serie A, and and to piss but off. The, but that is, but that is the kind right of people. the point, isn't it? That this is what football has become now. That it, in a, in a way, it's not. It's become a so much of a joke that yeah. this all goes on and is accepted. Exactly. That it's, that it's not even serious anymore. You, exactly. You almost, you almost can't exactly. take football seriously now. It's no. you know you're thinking well you know dictators criminals you know states are allowed to come in and, and basically run football and you're thinking well you know <laughs> i mean well, what do we do about it we can't do anything about yeah, it and there's Let's no just... accountability to it yeah. either and what they do whenever they do impose any accountability it's always on those who aren't as important for uefa's money uh, for their purse strings and so they make examples out of these clubs to pretend yeah. to maintain the illusion that there is actually a law in place that there's everything's on the up and up and then you have these others who get away with with everything with with murder essentially and that's why the whole thing is becomes a 
doesn't become serious. No one can take it seriously. And it loses complete validity and it loses all forms of, you know, it just becomes a, it just becomes a, a facade. And, and, yeah. and, and, and that's exactly you know. what it is. And what the sad thing is, is it's only going to get worse and worse. And this yeah. is kind of like, this yeah. was with Italy having three teams in the final, but you know, you can say the other two finals are not major, major competition. It's all about the Champions League. Yeah. But it's certainly having an Italian team in the, the final of the Champions League, I almost felt like, and I hope I'm wrong. Of course, I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, of course. I almost we, felt we, like hope, that, we both do. I, I, mean, I kind of felt like this was, you know, a last breath, a last chance to kind of, oh, let's win one before, you know, there will be no chance ever again. Because the way that, you know, the financial, the, the financial gulf, and it's only going to, going to widen and widen even more than it already is I just felt like you know this is a one-off this wasn't a, you know when we had that cringeworthy advert that Capello and and Luca Toni did of you know Serie A is back you know it it's not back it's it's this this is a one-off uh and you know I hope I'm wrong of course I hope I'm wrong but I felt like this was an opportunity that Inter had to take and this was an opportunity that Serie A had to take because we're not going to get these opportunities really going forward again to win the Champions League to have a dominant season where we win all the European competitions you know it's it's not going to happen is it Nima? No I don't think so I as I've said all along I think this is a one-off um, and yeah I've, I've you know everything I've said I think this is a this is a one-off and um, I'm afraid that we won't see it again for for a long time but you know it, it is what it is um, but because I mean, if you look, if you look ahead to next season, I mean, first of all, starting with Inter, I mean, do you see? Let's go through all the four Italian teams that are in the Champions League next season. So, starting with Inter, do you see realistically? Do you see an Inter team or an Inter squad being stronger next season or weaker? I think there is a good chance that they could. They look Inter squad needs. Uh, an overhaul in certain areas. There's this stopgap nonsense needs to stop. They need to have a serious project here. If that means rejuvenating and not fighting for the Serie A title and 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 being okay for one or two seasons to, to do what Milan essentially did under Ricky Massara and Maldini, most Inter fans would be okay with that. But mm. so I think yes, the pre there are there are there is there is the chance there for Inter to do something. Um there, there really is. Who um, will they have to sacrifice a player? Well, that's two? the thing. They will have to do that because I think where they are now is they have two objectives. They no longer, I think, have to end on a net transfer gain this summer because of the the way that they hand, you know, because of the fact that they have made made up a lot of money that they didn't expect uh, to make, um, and so that covers a lot of potholes. This means essentially that their situation is one in, one out, or one out, one in. Which means that they have, uh, they also have to reduce the wage bill, which means that you have to look at those who have the highest earners. And the so you're saying they can spend what they make? Is that yeah. basically what you're saying? Yeah, that's that's the expectation that everyone is, you know, that everyone I'm talking to is like that's the feeling. It's not going to be another plus forty, plus twenty, plus sixty, or some stupid shit like that. It's going to be plus minus zero. That's the requirement. But they have to lower the wage bill because no Italian team can maintain a wage bill of 130, 140 gross million euros gross per year. Mm. They just can't. In order no to do Italian that, team. they might have to sacrifice? I to think they that. will. I think they have to. I mean, you have to Who remember. Who are we looking at? Look, Handanovic, look Handanovic is leaving. Skriniar is leaving. Gagliardini is leaving. Dalbert is leaving. That creates, you know, that's that's a lot of money already there 
that is going out. Then you have players out on loan who they're looking to sell. Um, then you have, okay, Brozovic and Onana. And why bring why I raise those two is because Onana came on a free transfer. Everything they sell him for is going to be a massive capital gains. So then you have, you know, that that's that's why he's a candidate. But I think that would be a mistake. I really think that would be a mistake because of the fact that, and even Guardiola spoke about it after the game, that look, when you have Onana in, in, in you essentially the way that he helps his passing, the way that he helps build up. can't be pressed, yeah. You can't press, you can't press him. And his passing is fantastic. So, and and his accuracy is fantastic. So I think, you know, I'd rather sell Brozovic than Onana. Not because I don't like Marcelo Brozovic, but because I look at how old he is. I look Brozovic at his was fantastic record. in the final. Him, I thought I him and Acerbi. I thought him and Acerbi yeah. were his two best players. No, no, they were defensively. Marcelo Brozovic in games like this is is just unbelievable. But again, we're talking about sacrificing here. Mm. And if the sacrifice is that you get rid of Marcelo Brozovic, who's on around eleven million gross per year, and you get around thirty thirty five million euros for him, and you replace him with the same amount of money with Sergei Milinkovic-Savic, who also will make lower in terms of his wages, that's a no-brainer for me. That is a no-brainer. If it also means that you can replace Roberto Gagliardini with Stefano Sensi and say, look, Stefano, you've got one year left on your contract. We want you to be a rotation player for one year and no one else is coming in coming in for you. I have no problem with that. That makes the, that makes the midfield department sorted. If Inter can offload Robin Gossens and get Carlos Agosto from Monza, that offers something that Inter don't have. That's an imp- that's an improvement. And if they get rid of Denzel Dumfries, and if by some you know they they're able to bring in Raúl Belanova and also someone else for the right, if there, there was talk of Tejon Buchanan, younger player, young you know with 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 potential, with you know uh, lower wages, and also you have the growth decree on his wages. Plus you you, you make a p- p- capital gains profit on on Dumfries as well. That's a no brainer. Like these things are the things you, I, w- I would like to see him to do. And then you go up up front. Arrivederci Ed Ingeco. Arrivederci Joaquin Correa. Even though no one's going to buy him, send him out on loan. Because that was that was a dud. It's this is this is how it's gonna Lukaku. be. It's gonna be at Inter. Yeah, Luc- Lukaku is only if he's willing and if Chelsea are willing to take him except a non-paid loan, which I think Inter have made clear. He's going back to Chelsea. If Chelsea want him to come back, which he wants it to do, then they have to play ball on Inter's terms, which means maybe a lower loan fee and where a preponderance of his wages are paid by Chelsea. Inter can't afford to pay those those huge salaries to him anymore. Um, and Lautaro going to stay uh, unless somebody pays like over 100 million euros for him, north of that. But I don't think anyone's going to do that. We'll see. And then you have, okay, who do you bring in and, and, and replace Jekyll with? Well, loaning Skamaka, I think, is an intelligent move. Um, there's talk of Balogun and Retegi as coming in as you know and on lower you know loans and lower costs to to replace Joaquin Correa. That to me looks like a team you know that is already impressed, or that is already better. And then you go to the defense and you're thinking, well, okay, Skriniar gone. Does D'Ambrosio extend or does he stay? I'm not necess- I'm not entirely certain that D'Ambrosio extends. Um, so you need to see, you want to keep Acerbi, you're going to extend with Defray, you're going to extend with Bastoni, you're going to extend with Chalanoglu. This allows you to do that. Well, you still need to bring in someone to replace Milan Skriniar, and I think that's where the big investment is going to be this summer. Whether it's Pavard, whether it's Koulibaly, 
I personally prefer Pavard over Koulibaly because I think Koulibaly is on a decline and I don't think he can play to the right of the back three. Um, I think, mm. you know, Inter needs someone to replace Skrinja and I think he's uh, Pavard is more of a natural replacement and also yeah. he's younger. You know, again, rejuvenation. You can't just keep buying. The, again, not this, this stopgap nonsense needs to mm. stop. Mm. Um, and okay. Then well, got- if they get it right, they could be they could potentially improve. We have to move on though because we, 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 we've got so much else to talk about yeah. other than the Champions League final. But, but basically, to, to, to round up what I was going to say, I mean, Inter, it's going to be difficult to, to, to certainly to, to match uh, or, or, or better what they've done this season. Lazio, I think if they if they get out of the group, they might lose Sergei Milinkovic-Savic as well. If they get out of the group, but they, would have, listen, they would have done well. There's talk of Jorginho and Berardi like that are close. I mean, that would be fantastic. If Jorginho came back to Italy and went to Lazio, if they were able to buy Domenico Berardi, I mean, that would be... That's of course, but I think ultimately, problem. Lazio, the best we can hope for is them getting out of the group. You know, yes. we're, we're not we're not expecting much off Lazio. No, um, no, no, no. And you, if you're putting money on now, you're saying they're probably going to go out in the group stage. Yeah. Um, Milan, we've seen everything that's happened at Milan <laughs> in the in the last in the last week. So, you know, you can't really be that hopeful. No with, idea with, what's with, with Milan. You know, let's um, talk in August. You know, that's all let's I'm talk in say August there. exactly. And Napoli, of course, Napoli are the best run club uh, in Italy, and you know they've got a, a magnificent they've had a magnificent season. But unfortunately, they're going to lose Kim Min Jae. They might lose Ossiman. Uh, you know, they, I think they will still be a formidable, still be an excellent team, and I still see them having no issue getting out of the group. But you know, is 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 I think they're going to be weaker than this season. Uh, the way that things stand at the moment, we'll see how they do in the transfer market. Who becomes their new manager? Who becomes their new sporting director? If Juventus leaves, I mean, there's a lot of change again at Napoli, and it's not easy to sustain that every single year. This, you know. This change, so much change, and losing your best players, losing your coach every year. And this is the problem that all Italian teams have. Um, it's just not sustainable. Even if you have one amazing standout season like Napoli have had, um, you cannot sustain that every year when you become a feeder club and a feeder league, which is what Serie has become. So it's going to be very, very difficult. Um, and I just feel like this was our opportunity, maybe like one of our last opportunities to to do this before you know the the big bad Premier League completely gobbles up everyone forever <laughs> you know so that's that's it um let's move on uh in some sad news um so just before we we started recording today the news was confirmed that silvio Berlusconi has died aged 86 uh, in milan uh, he had recently spent uh, six weeks in in hospital at the san Raffaele hospital uh Undergoing, undergoing treatment for a lung infection, which was linked to uh, him being, uh, he, he's just uh, recently, he's um, been suffering with uh, leukemia um, and he was re- readmitted into hospital uh, very recently um, in the last week, I think or so. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, sadly, he has, he has passed away aged 86. Um, so, I mean, this is, uh, I mean, we're talking about an absolute, the huge figure, not just in Italian football and in the football uh, history of Milan, but you know, in in the, the history of the the country of, of Italy in you know the last decades. Uh, and if we talk about from a football point of view, I mean, he was the owner of Milan from 1986 to 2017, and you cannot underestimate the the impact that he had on Milan. He he, at the time of leaving Milan, selling Milan in 2017. He was the most successful president in the history of football anywhere in the world. Mm. Uh, 28 trophies. Uh, Isn't and it 29? 
I don't know. I've seen some say 29. Uh, I mm. counted 28, but mm. I don't know if they're counting a, a little small trophy somewhere. But 28, 29. He was the most successful president in, in football history at the time. I'm not sure if Florentino Perez has overtaken him. I think now. Florentino has overtaken Yeah, he himself. might have done since then. But at the time of, of leaving Milan uh, in 2017, he was the most successful. And, you know, what he did at Milan was was unbelievable. I mean, he bought a club that was on the verge of bankruptcy. Uh, it's a club that had been, I mean, he bought them in 1986, as I said, but they'd been in Serie B. They'd twice been relegated mm. into Serie B earlier on in the 80s. One for, for the, the match... Uh, the Totonero uh, yeah, match scandal. Uh, fixing scandal. But then the second time actually was on merit. It was actually yeah. for the field of play through being not being a very good football team. Um, so he turned them into the best team in Italy within a couple of years. They won the 1988 Scudetto and then he made them the best team in Europe uh, in, in 1989 when they won the, the first European Cup of his tenure. And he built, in my opinion, and in many people's opinion, the best club football team that we've ever seen in football history. I mean, his team that he had under Saki, uh, Enrico Saki, the, mm. the, the, the three Dutchmen, Van Basten, Rijkaard uh, and Hullet. Uh, and then, you know, the, that amazing all-Italian defence, Maldini, Berezi, Tassotti, Costa Gertz. I mean, for me, that's the best club team we've ever seen. And they won two European Cups in a row in 89 and 90. And it took it took almost three decades, I think it's for Madrid, for anyone else to, to win two in a row. Uh, and under Berlusconi, you know, they reached five finals in seven years during that spell and in total during his time in Milan eight Champions League finals at Milan um, and winning five of them and you know so I mean the success that he brought to Milan was absolutely unbelievable wasn't it Emma? Well together on the football pitch what he and Adriano Galliani and Braida did was truly truly remarkable they were in many we've got to keep it honestly honest here and intellectually honest here too before there were any, like, he was one of the first to really set in motion the wheels of what became the mod- modern football moneyball game of financial doping when there wasn't such a thing, when it wasn't, when it was okay, completely legal. And there were no rules. Yeah. There were no rules whatsoever. Mm. Um, he, he, he was one of the first to set it in motion. And because of the fact that, he used that success to launch his political career, becoming the prime minister of Italy for many, many years, becoming one of the longest serving prime ministers in Italian history. Many other people opened their eyes to understanding what sports washing really was, and in football at least. I mean, of course it existed before, but at this level, he he was one of the you know instigators of that, and we should not be dishonest about that. No, and we shouldn't be dishonest about, you know, Obviously, you don't want to speak ill of the dead, <laughs> not when they're. Well, I just do. Don't. I don't care. If, well, you don't if, want. <laughs> yeah, you don't. In general, you don't want to speak ill of the dead. In general, but you know, he was mired in a lot of scandals, political scandals, sex scandals, underage, his, his, under, his, underage his, bunga bunga parties, yeah, very the, shady business. Yeah, I mean, the secret secret societies. I mean, you name it. The, his I mean, connections to the Sicilian Cosa Nostra Mafia. I mean, just yeah. Google Vittorio Mangano. Just Google Marcello Delutri who these Mm. people were. I mean, Vittorio Mangano was hired, (laughs) this is, was officially hired as a gardener and a stableman at Bellos College Villa San Martino in Arcore. But 
he didn't do much gardening there. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Well, maybe so, certain types of gardening. Yeah, maybe. well, exactly. A little trim. <laughs> depending on yeah. who you, depending on how deep you want to dig, let's say. <laughs> exactly. How far down the rabbit hole you want to go. <laughs> no, but seriously, like, if you look into the people that, that he had connections with, you know, if you look at him being convicted, how he, how he used the Italian legislature and, and the government to harm the government by by making Italian law so much more bizarre that we see the results of it now with statute of limitations and using it for his own interests um, is is you know from a political point of view and I'm not even talking about the sex scandals because I know people love that stuff but the other stuff I think that that he did was was far more was far more bad if we're perfectly honest the fact that he he made it okay to use the state to serve himself um and and enrich himself privately he was you know he was one of the first in the west to do that um so openly and blatantly and brazenly and unashamedly uh unashamed like just in your Mm. face um but if we you know that's he's his his influence on italian society for good for good and for bad you know television for example i mean he was so far ahead of everyone in terms of you know modern tv uh Mm. whether you like it or not the way that Mm. he used sex to sell tv i mean it's all you still see it today on italian tv italian football tv we still see it you know you see um, you know, you have uh, a, a talk show to talk about football, <laughs> and you generally have a have a have a have a very attractive young model or showgirl or whatever show you want to call her yeah, that just basically girl. sits there and looks nice. <laughs> you know, That's it sells. Literally. It sells. You know, and um, you know that is a, he was a very big influence on that um, on, on on that side of things. But just but you know he did he did understood he understood how to be successful mm. and. Uh, he was incredibly successful. If we want to look at the football side of things, yes, oh, you're absolutely right. Side. He spent heavily. Um, I don't. I don't think it's. To- I don't think it's comparable to say the level of spending that we see today in the Premier League. Because back then there were there weren't rules in terms of financial fair play rules. But you know, back then there were rules like there was three EU players, for example. Yeah, you could only yeah. have three foreigners. Well, actually, at the start it was two. In the 1980s, it was two. Then they mm. increased it to three in the late 80s. That means that you couldn't go out and just buy hoard. every single yeah hoard and have all the best players in the world. It was impossible. You could only have the three best foreigners. You could okay, you could still go out and buy big the best uh, Italian players, but every all the big Italian clubs had riches back then. Yes, Bellasconi was had the, the, the was the richest of them all, but they were all super rich. You know, we saw the teams like Udinese buying Zico, Napoli buying Maradona. You know, the, the, all that it was, the, you know, Milan were the best team in the best team in the best league that there's ever been, yeah. you know. Uh, and, you know, so back then, so it's more, it was still very impressive what he's done and a lot more impressive than, you know, you, you, I don't think it's comparable to, 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 you know, what football has become now with the, with the Premier League. Um, because now there are no. Now look, there, there are, there are, look, the principle is the same, the details are different. Um, that's, that's fair enough. But we, we shouldn't be hypocritical about that. He kind of started pretty much, you know, he, he laid the groundwork for, he, he wrote the playbook for how you use football in the modern context to further a political agenda. 
Um, he was no, and he was very big in the Champions League, the, the actual form he of understood the Champions that, League. that internationally it meant that yeah. he, he was one of the first to understand that, yes, okay, winning the Serie A is great, but when you do it on an international stage, when everyone is watching from all over the world, that's when it matters. Mm. Um, and he Again, was, yeah, that's why he became such a big influence yeah. on also on Milan being the most successful Italian yeah. team in Europe because right. there was that feeling, even in Italy at the time, for a long time, probably up until Berlusconi, where yeah. many... Many people in Italy actually would rather win Serie A, win yeah. the Scudetto, than winning than winning the Champions League or yeah. the European Cup, as it was known yeah. then, because it was the, you know that was they considered that the bigger tournament. Uh, yeah. And Berlusconi kind of helped to change those attitudes, uh, and mm. and you know obviously Milan's success under him in, in the Champions League was just, just just unbelievable. And they had so many great teams, so many great teams. I mean, not just that Sacchi team, but you know the Capello team that. that that won the, the European Cup and reached three finals in a, in a row. Uh, the Ancelotti team Ancelotti that reached three team. finals in five years. I mean, just name some of the players they had and some of the, the games, the legendary games. I mean, thrashing Real Madrid 5-0 in the, the 1989 European Cup semi-final at San Siro. The 4-0 over Stel Bucharest in the final. The, the 4-0 over Cruyff's dream team in the 94 final in Athens when everybody b- thought that Barcelona were going were gonna to destroy Milan in that final. Milan were decimated in defence. They had no Berezi or Costa Curta. They come on and they destroy them 4-0. Um, you know, and then all the way down to, you know, beating Man United 3-0 in 2007. Uh, the 6-0 over Inter Nimmer, which you probably mm. want to forget. I mean, so many I legendary games. At all. <laughs> I haven't forgotten that at all. I mean, we got partly our revenge back uh, on the Euro Derby that Inter won now because we lost a couple of Euro Derbies uh, against his uh, against his Milan. And look, Milan were unbelievable uh, then. Uh, there's no doubt about that. He built a structure. He understood the importance of media um, in sports. One of the first to do so uh, in the world, in football, in the footballing world. And that's why Milan have historically always been so good with the media and, and know how to get by, quote unquote, without paying uh, positive coverage. Yeah. When you take care of like... Every well, player it helps when your when your president is the prime minister. <laughs> yes, but not just that. Even before that, this notion that yeah. understanding that if you buy a star from one country, that you have to have a relationship with the media of that. No, country. no, absolutely. I'm just saying yeah. it helps when you've got the influence of being yeah, the prime yeah. minister or being no, no, controlling no, Italian TV. Look, he said yeah. he's well, not just that he controlled ninety percent of the Italian media at one point yeah. when he was in government. And and also let's remember that he used to say that when Milan wins on the weekend, uh, where parliamentary proceedings are far more easier on a Monday. <laughs> like this, this, you know, <laughs> this is this is who he was. Um, yeah. You know, he was he embodied that, uh, and he lived it, and he didn't. You know, and and that's just you know, again, it's a complex character. And some of the quotes he's, he's come out with over the years as well. Uh, I mean, <laughs> some of the stuff he, he's come up with, some of the videos of him. Um, I mean, <laughs> just just Google Silvio yes. Berlusconi quotes. I mean, there, there's there's so many. Um, so much stupid. I don't know what is my favorite um, at all. I mean, I think Pullman Pieno di Troia is out there. That one of his last ones with Monza. Yes. Um, the yeah. bus full of prostitutes is. If just, they beat Juventus, yeah. If they beat one of the and big teams. They beat teams, them twice, didn't Milan, they? You, they? Yeah. They beat them twice uh, this season. I'll turn up to the dressing room with a with a bus full of prostitutes. It's just unbelievably. It's just. Mm. Uh, yeah, in this time of, of extreme political correctness that we're seeing, I don't think Berlusconi fits into this world very much, some of the stuff that he's come out with. I remember when he said that the Chinese used to eat babies. Do you remember, yeah, do you remember that? Yeah, he had to apologise for that, yeah. <laughs> like he, had yeah. To say, he said lots of racist Obama had a, had a good tan, he said yeah. once, I remember that. 
I mean, he's yeah. he's come up with so much stuff. So, mm. Yeah, but um, but yeah, from a footballing point of view, um, yeah, one of the giants of um, of football, not just Italian football, one of the mm. giants of all football. So yeah, um, Silvio Berlusconi, uh, aged eighty six, passed away today. Um, okay, right. Uh, very quickly, the playouts was played mm. on Serie A playout was played on Sunday uh, evening. Um, it finished Spezia 1, Verona 3. So Spezia are relegated. It was a thrilling game, this game. Absolutely thrilling. It was 3-1 at, uh, at, at half-time. Um, but with midway through the second half, um, Spezia got a penalty and Verona got a, got a red card. Uh, and they had 23 minutes to, to basically get the game back. But they missed the penalty. Unzola missed the penalty. And they had chance after chance after chance after that. Just The ball just wouldn't go in. Uh, and... Yeah, Spezia are down. So the three teams that are relegated are um, Sampdoria, Cremonese and Spezia. And the three promoted teams are Frosinone, Genoa and Cagliari, who scored with a 94th minute winner from Pavoletti to return um, to Serie A. And Claudio Ranieri is the manager of Cagliari. Uh, over three decades after being in Serie A with Cagliari, he gets them up. I mean, that's an incredible story as well. So, yeah, it was quite a thrilling night, wasn't it? No, it was. It was a thrilling game. And I think in the end, the right team got relegated. I think Hellas Verona showed that as as far as a team goes, they are a better side than Spezia. I thought they deservedly avoided relegation. Um, and they, you know, again, it's we want the Serie A to, with all the problems it's got, we need to have the popular sides up Uh "Quote unquote," and Verona has a bigger fan base than Spezia has ever had and never will have. Um, and they, uh, you know, the game itself was just as, is just as good as it gets when we're talking relegation scraps in the Serie A. Uh, it was complete chaos, and you know, red cards and penalties and penalty misses, and it was just, mm. uh, it was, it was so, 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 um, so entertaining. But with Spezia. Out. Uh, I mean, we have to talk about the uh, Salvatore Esposito, who the Esposito family had an absolute shocking yeah, night. Terrible night. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, Sebastiano with Bari, and Bari were literally two minutes away from Serie A because the Serie A playoff final works like this: that if when once they play each other in the final, the playoff teams, the team with a higher finish, if it ends in a draw, gets promoted. And in the ninety-fourth minute, Pavoletti scores. Uh, and a packed San Nicola, fantastic uh, atmosphere at that. Uh, at that um, in, in they did that. a they did a lap of honor before the game with the bus. I saw yeah. as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and and look, that, you know, I I think you know, of course, Frances- Francesco Esposito, the, the 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 younger one as well. What's his name? Um, Pio uh, Esposito. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's yeah. He was. Um, he he lost, of course, uh, yeah, the under twenty World Cup final, which we'll come World on to as second. well. Yeah. yeah. So no, look, I think Nicolao and Zola Esposito. You know, there, there's going to be some. Um, yeah, they're they're good enough for, for Serie A teams, definitely. Uh, Unzola, yeah, Francesco, I mean, he, 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 it wasn't his night, uh, Unzola, uh, at all. No, um, he he just didn't want to go in for him. But I do think that there's a player that, that certainly for a big Serie A team as a, as a backup player, I think definitely could do a job, if not be a starter for, for one of the Europa League kind of standard teams. Um, uh, certainly, he's good enough to play to play for, for most Serie A teams in some capacity. And then I think the other two as well. And and yeah, it's going to be a 
It's going to be an interesting. But we have to give a shout out to Claudio Ranieri, who's now back in Serie A after bringing his Cagliari, which he did like thousands of years ago, almost it feels like, mm-hmm. when he brought them twice up to the Serie A. And now at the age of seventy-one, if I'm not mistaken, he brings them back to the Serie A. And also, mm-hmm. when Cagliari fans were mocking Bari fans saying, oh, you're going to play in Serie B next year. He goes up to them and tells them to stop it, which just shows what a classy man this man uh, has he always is. been. We're talking about entire, gentlemen. He yeah, is, he, he there is, is no more. always been a gentleman uh, in, in his career. And, and that was just beautiful to see. Yeah, it was. Okay, just to finish off with the um, Under-20 World Cup final, um, fourth final for Italy in the last fortnight or so, and Italy... Lose it again. They lost 1-0 to Uruguay. Um, Italy went into this final as favourites and they'd they'd had a fantastic, fantastic tournament. Um, uh, They'd beaten Brazil, the the pre-tournament favourites in the first game. Uh, They beat England, the um, the 2017 winners, weren't they? Was it 2017 they won it when they had Foden and everyone? Um, They beat England 2-1 and they played fantastically against Colombia, who were a dangerous team in the quarterfinals. Then they beat... Uh, Korea in the semi-finals, Pafundi scored a, a magnificent goal, um, and they've, they've they've had so many fantastic performers in this 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 World Cup. I mean, the obvious ones are Baladanzi, uh, Pafundi, uh, and of course Cesare Casade, who who was named the, the the best player of the tournament, top scorer of the tournament, eight goals, uh, absolutely had an incredible tournament. These three have been great. There've been so many other really fantastic performers. Palati in midfield, central midfielder, um, Giovane, who is, uh, has done really, really well in midfield and at, and at left back. Um, but um, yeah, this final, I don't know what happened. They were, they were just, they were, I mean, I don't want to be too critical of youngsters. Italy were awful. They were absolutely awful from minute one to minute 90. They were totally outplayed, completely outplayed. I think they had one, one shot in the entire game, Italy. One shot on goal, none on target in the entire game. Um, Uruguay completely outplayed them. They outfought them. They pressed them high. They couldn't even barely get out of their half, Italy. Um, I don't know what happened. I don't know if they were tired because three days ago they played the semi-final. Uh, the pitch was shocking. The pitch was not worthy of of um, of, of a World Cup final at any level. It wasn't even worthy of Sunday League football. It was that bad. It was like a it was potato embarrassing. It was embarrassing. <laughs> so I, I'm sure that didn't help. It probably helped Uruguay a little bit more. Maybe the fact that, you know, the game was in Argentina. It's only a, a short journey to, to, to watch the game. You know, the Uruguay were basically playing a home game. They had a lot of their fans in the same. Maybe that helped. I just, I don't know what happened. It, it looked, honestly, it looked like they bottled it. It looked like the pressure got to them completely. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm not giving enough credit to Uruguay. They had some really I think interesting Uruguay, players. No, no, they did. But I think Uruguay showed that they they deservedly won this game. I thought they were better than Italy throughout this game. And even the Italy coach after the game said that from a physical point of view, Uruguay were in a much better condition than we were. We, we were tired. Uh, he thanked all the youngsters saying... It's been a fantastic tournament. Nobody expected us to to get to this point or play at this level. Um, and I agree with them. I just didn't think Italy were they were they were just not ever in the fun. They were just scrapping on and hanging on, and they were tired and they were sluggish. And now nah, I, I feel I feel Uruguay won deservedly. Credits to them. Italy had zero shots on goal this game. Like let's mm. 
just basically put it out, you know, they, the Italy were basically hanging on <clears throat> for dear life um, throughout this game and, and there was nothing there. And I think that for me, I w- I'm very positively surprised. I did not expect Italy to do this well. I love that goalkeeper they've got. I think he's, he's a quality. He was the only one in the final that performed. He made some miracle saves in the final. He was so good. No, but not just mm. this, this tournament as well. I thought he was without a doubt the best goalkeeper in this tournament. Uruguay had the best defence. I think, what was it, six out of seven clean sheets? They only conceded seven? in one game. Yeah. yeah. So they, they were outstanding. Um, but in terms of goalkeepers and for the saves he made, I think the Italy kid was just outstanding. And and as for the players, I know Casadei was um, was announced the best player of the tournament. For me, Baldanzi was better this tournament. I thought he was better. I think Casadei showed still why he's you know there's a difference between youth and senior level football. There is a quality player there, of course. You know, if you become the top goal scorer as a mid from a midfield position. That's a fantastic quality to have, and and that's something that is his absolute strength. But there is still, you know, all of them kind of have improvement to do. Uh, but for me, Alan Maturro and Baldanzi showed that they are they play first team football. They play senior team football. I thought they were fantastic. Uh, those two over over through this tournament and played with a maturity that you don't really see at this level. Um, so I think Casa Day, Casa Day uh, was a magnificent tournament. Um, I I do wonder how much of it is down to the fact that physically this exactly. guy's a beast already. That you know, I do think that maybe I think that, that that's definitely played a role. I mean, he was at Reading last season. He was a first team player at Reading in the championship. I mean, let's not forget the championship is a very high level. Um, you know, if it's, if we're talking about best leagues in Europe, it's top ten in in Europe. You know, there's a lot of quality in the, in the English championship. Um, so you know he, he's, he's he's already been playing first team football, but um, he I do think yeah the physical advantage that he had on a lot of players certainly played a role. Um, but one thing we can say about Casadei is he's got an incredible shot. Uh, he's fantastic in the air. Um, but I think his best attribute is something that can't be taught. You cannot talk, teach people this. Is his his understanding of of making late runs into the box, getting in the right areas, uh, and and then finishing. He's a fantastic finisher as well. I think he's very similar to Frank Lampard, definitely. I know he's been compared to him, but he's got all the attributes that Frank Lampard had, he's got. Um, so, you know, we'll see how far he can go. I do think that, yeah, absolutely. On a technical level, you know, let's see. Let's see how he does, because I think maybe his, his short game, you can see that there needs to be some improvement there in the short game. Uh, and the advantages physically that he's had over youth players, uh, he won't have over, over, over men. Um, but yeah, magnificent tournament for him. And it, I think, yeah, ultimately, youth football is not so much about winning. It's about developing good, you know, quality players. And Italy have had some really, really, you know, very, very uh, promising talents that have emerged in this tournament. Casade is one of them. Baldanzi we know about. Um, but those other ma- names that I mentioned as well. So that is a, that is a big positive. It's just frustrating that, Italy lose another final. And I just think if I just want to make one general point is that Italy, Italy have such a bad record in finals, certainly over recent years, both the clubs and the national team. Um, I, I was doing a little, uh, I was doing a little uh, bit of an adding up before. And, and since 2010, when Inter lost, won the Champions League final uh, in club football, um, the, the major club, European club tournaments, I think, I've, I think if I didn't count wrongly, that, Italy, Serie A have been to nine finals and only won two of them. Uh, and then obviously, you know, international level, 
um, as well with the youth t- tournaments. We've lost quite a few finals as well. But even if you go further back, uh, I believe at Serie A, not, not, no one has lost more finals um, than, than Serie A clubs. Um, I don't know what it is. There just seems to be like, we always seem to do well in semifinals. We always seem to perform well in semifinals. But when it gets to the finals, I don't know. We just, we don't seem to win enough finals. I don't know if it's just a coincidence over the years, but certainly in recent years, maybe it's more down to the quality that, you know, Serie A has, and the Italian football has gone down a bit. But I don't know what it is. If it's become a little bit of a mental issue now, but we don't, we don't win enough finals. We lose too many finals. Uh, and that has been, I guess, the in May or the last month, that has been the, the story of Italian football in the last few weeks, isn't it? Just losing finals. Yes, but I mean, this follows the summer of 2021 when Italy won everything that they could win, from athletics to Eurovision to the Euros to everything else. And so this this is, um, yeah. you know, this comes... Uh, right, you know, probably football, happens. but yeah. Yeah, but no, but summer. generally speaking, like this, you know, I, I, I feel somehow that it's... It's, um, I think it's, uh, I'm not too surprised just yet. I think somehow this kind of is an accurate description of where Italian football is. It's close. There's lots of exciting things happening, but they're not quite there yet. Um, And I think that's that's a good place to be because Italians are the best in the world at congratulating each other when they win and pat each other on the back. And the last thing Italian football needs is more patting of themselves on the back. They need Mm -hmm. to improve and they need to do good. So I think in the long run, um, this is good for Italian football that they finish so close on all fronts. It means work harder. Your calcio is not back as uh, they they were, that ridiculous uh, commercial they were pushing. No, calcio is not back. In any shape, size, or form. Sounded like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> that, 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 that's they need to understand that their yeah. culture right. is not back, and I no. think it's good for Italy to to go a little bit hungry than being a little bit overfed. Um, mm. And Italian football needs to work hard, uh, and I hope that they do. Yeah, I like that. Okay, finish off with Badjo and Prem face of the week. Badjo, who you got? I've got one. Go for it then. I'm going for you. <laughs> I'm going for your talks. I'm going for your talk sport interview. Stop. But in three years of the Italian football podcast, Nima is the Badjo of the week for the first time, and probably the last time. Hopefully never given, for the last. I'm time. never giving him credit yeah, ever no, again. No, 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 so no, yeah, please everybody listen to Nima's interview. Was it Friday you did this? Or was it, it Thursday was, evening? I can't remember. I think um, it might be Thursday evening, but you yeah, shared it with I me think, on Friday, or yeah. I listened to it on Friday. Yeah, yeah, I didn't even. It wasn't like they they just drop me a message and say, hey, would you like to come on? We want to do preview the final. And I was like, yeah, sure. When? Tonight? Yeah, okay, cool. In a few hours, in like a couple of hours. And I said, fine. And um, so I went on there. And and yeah, they, they you know, he, this is the funny part. He asked, Hugh Wisencraft actually asked me a question. He said, if I was an Inter fan living in the, in, in the UK and, and consuming English media, I would be a bit offended with how Inter Milan are portrayed, which to me is a very honest characterization of facts and how things are and i just replied to that honestly um and factually and then somebody who i'd never heard of until you explained who he was lost his com- like was completely debilitated he was completely like triggered as if he was you know, just rude and he come across as somebody that that, that was a that's a bully which is what i've heard from people i've spoken mm-hmm. to in the industry that he's a bully uh, and he picked on the wrong person. <laughs> yeah, he did bark up Basically the wrong tree. Basically, he picked on the wrong person. Yeah, he, he barked up the wrong tree. <laughs> and, and, you know, and so 
I was like, and then I know this this isn't my first rodeo. I, you know, I've I've had to debate with the, with people like this, not just in football, but in politics and other areas. So I know what they try to. I know their mo. I know how they love to turn everything into side uh, shows yeah. and red herrings. And I don't let them. Mm-hmm. I stay on point. And I was, and I and I said this is. I never mentioned English fans because I would never generalize people based on nationality. That's just not who I am. I was talking about the certain members of the English mainstream media. And that is just an objective fact. That's not even a, an opinion. They have this attitude and everybody on earth knows it, except for them, or except for Martin Samuelip in this case, who pretends that it, it's absolutely, it's rubbish. And, and you know, try to you know, talk, talk with a Cockney heard accent. Anybody say talk, that. Yeah, talk, talk with a Cockney accent to make himself more, you know, working class and approachable when in fact he's anything but. But but you know this, this is what they do. It's 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 as oh it's as you know it's the oldest trick in the book. And I just don't. I'm too. I'm, I'm again. This is my first rodeo. So even if I wasn't prepared for that kind of overreaction and emotional meltdown, I I, I was. It wasn't difficult for me to just basically dismantle what he had to say because it was so nonsensical. What he I said. I love it when you were like really. Really, really. really. I mean, really. no. Why would I get upset? I mean, when, so, when when you're dealing with a flat earther which essentially that is, denying facts, objective empirical facts that everyone knows to be true, then you just got to be like, hmm, okay, right. And then, and then just continue hammering home your point with facts. And, and that's what I did. And it was, it, was, it, was, it was weird. It was a weird interaction. And I thought it was a bit sad because I really actually, uh, the, uh, the other two, Darren yeah, they Lewis. Really nice. Yeah, they yeah really nice. Darren respectful. Lewis yeah. is an absolute gentleman um, who works, among others, for CNN and The Mirror. He is an absolute ge- class gentleman who's always so respectful and polite. And Hugh is a, is a nice guy as well whenever I've had to deal with him. So, you know, they were lovely people and they are lovely people, <clears throat> very professional. But this guy just got really triggered and, and I thought it was funny. It was very, very, very funny. Um, but yeah, really I, I, you, I didn't even share it. This is the funny thing. I, I was like, oh, that was just weird and awkward. So I went about my day and then I sent it to you. I was like, yeah, I was wondering if you want to listen to it. And then you, 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 turned, you, you clipped it up and <laughs> made it go viral. Yeah. Basically. It was, it was very, very funny. Yeah. Everybody um, loved it. Everyone loved it. So it many funny. people said, especially kind of like Italian football fans mm. living in, 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 mm. in England or in, in English speaking countries said, you just reflected everything that I feel. Yeah. Basically, that was the overwhelming. But it was so. But the way that it was delivered, I mean, like you were just like bang straight in there. You're like yeah, opening. No, no, sat- you don't miss yeah. about. You don't miss. Your about. opener was was brilliant, and then at the your ending, it was just like like mic drop at the end, which I won't <laughs> tell everyone. Please listen to the ending, the way that Nima finishes the interview, and it's just it's it's magnificent. So yeah, you're my yeah. bad show of the week. <laughs> Thanks for that. No, no, I don't. I do don't, you have a like- prem face? Yes, I, mean, I, I guess, do. I guess we just, I guess mine, Samuel. <laughs> well, not just him, but but he can't even be that because Steve Nicole on ESPN. Oh well, no! What do he say now? Well, the usual nonsense about how he's uh, he's saying that you know pre match, you know pre match, he said you know Inter wasn't going to get any more thirty percent of the possession, and then afterwards the game just changes tune, saying oh it was City who were bad, Inter did nothing special, and just kept you know banging on and, 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 you know, shitting on Inter, which all of them do, which, because they have no respect. They don't have any respect for anything and anyone. And, and it's, 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 it's okay because everybody sees through it. And this is the kind of nonsense that I was referring to that, 
In, in I don't that. think it comes from a bad place with Nico. I think he's just he's just quite simple, isn't he? He doesn't obviously doesn't watch any football. You can tell he doesn't watch any football uh, other than maybe a few you know Premier League games. Liverpool, he's a former Liverpool player. Um, you know he's not he doesn't really watch much football and, and he doesn't really care. You know which is you get with a lot of pundits like they they, they don't care about about watching the football. Uh, Burley, you can tell like he, he genuinely hates Italian football. You can see it like he he's, <laughs> has so much hate in him. Um, so you know, it's just just what it is. What it is, isn't it? Mm, nah, lascia stare, lascia perdere. They're, they are they are a laughing joke, and they really are a global laughing joke with everyone who who's not in the bubble. And that's why I thought it was funny for me. It was like you know, it's nice to inject a bit of a dose of reality into the bubble every now and again, simply because they are so used to hearing this to living in an echo chamber that whenever somebody actually injects a bit of reality into their little bubble they don't know how to act they just lose their shit and they they just it's like their world is collapsing it's like absolutely it's so and that is and that is so entertaining what is yeah i always find incredible how these kind of people especially in the mainstream media Mm. get so offended offended when they're ideologically challenged, when they've got this ideological view of the world about everything, not just in football, and obviously in football it is the Premier League is the best in the world, that, you know, we, we're not like this, you know, like, like what Martin Samuel was saying, you know, but anything, like they're ideological, have an ideological view, and if you just happen to have a view that is not you know, the same as their, uh, you know, they get so triggered by it, as if like it's the end of the world, and it's just like, I just have a different they have view no self I just have a different view to you than, yeah, than you they, have. I mean, what just, is the big deal? They don't <laughs> have, they have no self-awareness whatsoever. And they, they're so arrogant and up their own butts that whenever you inject just a tiny bit of reality and another perspective based on mm. actual reality, they don't know how to react. They literally just panic. And, and it's incredibly entertaining. Um, no. And, and, and it's funny. But you know, it is what it is. It was just. Well, you know, it's like when uh, before, uh, remember before after Inter went through. Remember, I, I put out that tweet yeah. predicting all the things that was going to no, be everything said. Happened. And, and everything happened. Every single thing happened. Because once like you know, once once you know the narrative, and once you yeah. know the once you know the result, you know what the game is going to be. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I already you already know once you once you followed them for so long how they behave. Everything is the same. You know exactly what's going to come before. And 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 what's going to come after? Mm. And we knew after the final they were going to say that it was because Manchester City played badly. Mm. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. Yeah, Manchester City did play badly, but it was also because Inter were outstanding tactically. But I mean, these they don't understand that these 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 nuances. But that's not what they you know they work. They are after clicks and hits and spreads and the the stupid you know turning the you know it's as if anything that has some traits of intellectual discussion and discourse is like kryptonite to these people it's like it literally is like that chris rock uh, thing about kryptonite to you know mm. put your money in your books because that's you know knowledge is kryptonite <laughs> you know that, that's how it is to these people they knowledge facts and you know in any form of intellectual discourse is kryptonite to and these being people. proud of it as well and proud of their being stupidity, proud to yeah. be ignorant proud to be dumb Proud yeah. to be stupid, proud to be simple, and a simpleton. So yeah, yeah. no, it's it, it's it's fun, but you know we go again, we go again. <laughs> yeah, sure do. Okay, right, let's leave it at that, and we will be back on Tuesday for the Q and A, Thursday for our uh, first uh, transfer show of the of the summer. 
And yes, like I said before, um, we will be doing this throughout the summer, but we also have a lot of international football uh, coming up. The under-21 Euros starting next week and the Nations League coming up this week yeah. as well. Italy are playing against Spain in the semi-final, which I believe, is it on Wednesday? Is it Wednesday this week? Uh, let sure. me just double check that before before yeah. we say goodbye. Because um, they're in the semis of the Nations League. I believe the Inter players are are going to uh, join up with the next on Thursday, mm-hmm. this Thursday. Yeah. yeah. This Thursday evening, Spain versus Italy in, um, I think it's in the Netherlands. Yes, it's in the Netherlands. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. Let's leave it at that. Uh, have a good week, everyone. We will see you next time. Ciao, ciao.